Let's go to the Portland Trail Blazers, who are in a really interesting situation. The future of Damian Lillard is and will continue to be the biggest story around Portland, hands down. They freed up a lot of cap space at the trade deadline in hopes of making a major splash in free agency this offseason. They moved a couple of guys. Obviously, C.J. McCollum was at the top of that list of guys that they moved on from, not only to create money, but acquire draft assets and, in a sense, put themselves in a position to make a run at a few guys. The top unrestricted free agents going into this class, and it's a very weak class, I will admit, but there are a handful of guys in there that are difference makers in their own respect. Zach Levine, Montrez Harrell, Jalen Brunson, Mitchell Robinson, those are a handful of the guys that kind of lead that pack. Granted, again, that grouping goes to goes to show you just how weak this class is, that Zach Levine, which ain't nobody getting because the Bulls keeping them, chill out. But nonetheless, that just goes to show you how weak this class is. And I actually frame it this way. Despite the lack of talented depth in this year's unrestricted free agent market, do you see a path where Portland can build a contending roster around Damian Lillard? The way I'll preface it is, if so, who are guys that you think are worth realistically pursuing? If not, when is the time to trade a guy like tra- trade a guy like Damian Lillard? Is it on draft night when probably his value is at its highest before any picks are made? Or do you wait till next de- trade deadline to trade him? Or here's the wild card of it all. Do you just ride it out with the roster that you build, whether it's a contending team or not around Dame? Robs, I'll start with you. Damian Lillard's a loser, man. Let's, let's talk about it, man. Okay. Th- this is my point. Okay. And I- I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down for the fans because that may sound like a wild take, but you have to understand. At some point, you have to value winning. At some point, you have to be realistic with yourself. This is your age 31 season. You're turning 32 at the beginning of next season. You're fresh off an of injury. You were Iron Man to begin with. Those days are behind you. Who are you gonna get that's gonna provide better value than what CJ was giving you over the past X amount of years? CJ is a religious 20-point scorer. Granted, you didn't have the wing depth that you probably needed, but you had an average, if we're talking about Yusuf Nurk, you had an average center to begin with. The reality is, no matter what team you build around you, you're always going to have holes, right? Sometimes bigger holes than others. What team can you possibly construct at this point in time that was better than any of those other teams that Portland had put together, especially the one that went to the conference finals? It's not happening. It's not happening. So if Damian Lillard is going to sit down there and say, I want to stay in Portland, blah, 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 then you're a loser. <laughs> That's what it is. I think Portland, their hands are kind of tied. They're a small market team, so they may want to hold on to a superstar for dear life because it may be years, decades, <laughs> until they get another one, Right. if we're being 100% honest. Mm-hmm. Right, so they may be looking at it from the perspective of say, yeah, we're gonna play losing basketball, but we still need someone that's gonna pull the fans into the seats, mm. right? So that's a factor that people that people have to consider as well. But the reality of the situation is, you didn't, you weren't gonna get more for Damian Lillard last year than you are gonna get now. He was way more valuable last year than he is now. He's off the injury, he's getting old, and the team's garbage. I'm even watching Portland right now with no. Superstar Anthony Simons had a good season. He shot the ball pretty efficiently and he put up, I think, 18 a game. But bad habits? Can we talk about bad habits on a basketball court? Some of the things that they're doing on the court is, is egregious. I'm seeing guys, I'm, I can't even pronounce their name, calling for ISOs at the top of the key. 
I'm, t- I'm seeing early shot clock, early shot clock three step backs, long range twos. I don't know what's going on in Portland. It's just a, it, it's a breeding ground for bad habits out there. And on top of that, you're gonna add Dame Lillard and expect him to play with these bums, and then ask for more with less. It doesn't make sense. Portland's dead, and Dame Lillard's a loser. Dang. Hot take. So sorry. That's tough, but let, let me. I'm gonna frame it, Chris. I'm gonna pass it to you with the same question, but I want to frame it with this as a little bit of, unfortunately, collateral, but it does also contextualize the situation Portland is dealing with. I'm gonna read a report that came back in early December of 2021 that is extremely relevant to this upcoming summer. It says Portland Trailblazers superstar Damian Lillard is looking for a big payday as he is reportedly, as he reportedly wants to receive a two-year. $107 million contract extension this offseason, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Now, remember, this is this is early December, but this is still within the framework of the 2021-2022 season. So this is referring to this upcoming offseason. This is this was reported by ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. So we know we go by Woj's word because that's the gospel when it comes to this kind of stuff. The good here's the here's the big point, Chris, and this is what I want you to kind of build off of when we talk about this idea of what to do with Dame if you're the Portland Trailblazers. It says the extension would reportedly reportedly pay Damian Lillard $51.2 million in his age 35 season. That would be in 2025-2026, then $55.3 million as a 36-year-old. This would be in the 2026-27 season making him one of the NBA's highest paid players, according to ESPN's Bobby Marks. This is the catch-22. Lillard, right this season, this season that he was injured and missed majority of the year, is the first of a four-year, $176.3 million extension that Mm. doesn't end until the 2024-25 season. The first year, this is the first season not that I should say, not, not to say this is indicative of what the next three to four years will look like, but maybe it is, depending on where you stand. This season in which he started out the year very slow, very off, coming off of the USA, coming off of the USA stuff with the Olympics in Tokyo, starts off really slow, misses a majority of the season injured, and now we have three more years of this, and they have to ask themselves whether or not they are willing to look at their same superstar in the face when he when he is at the table asking for two more years that tax on another 107 million dollars with all that as context chris i will give the floor back to you yeah uh robs beat me to the punch listen man (laughs) damian lillard is not fooling me bro damian lillard is not fooling me i'm not an idiot i'm not and, and 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 i've been saying this i've been at first I was saying, yeah, I want Damien. When the whole rumors were going on about him coming to Philly, I was like, yeah, let's let's have it happen, whatever the case is. The whole summer he went on a parade about how, you know, the team didn't do enough in free agency for him. You know, Norman Powell wasn't really scratching the itch or, or you know, whoever else they got. They picked up some no names and whatever the case is. And he was over in where, I think it was Tokyo they were at, and he was holding a press conference saying, I didn't ask for a trade, but, you know, if the team doesn't do anything or make any moves, eventually I might have to ask for a trade and a whole bunch of foolishness. Then he came back and I started hearing whispers about Damian Lillard potentially getting an extension. And I'm saying to myself, didn't he just sign the contract? Mm -hmm. Then I realized that, no, he, he is eligible to get an extension on the back end of that. 
And then I started putting two and two together. And I said, oh, so this is like a Carmelo Anthony situation to where Melo could have joined the Heat. He could have done that. But it was always about his money. It was always about his money. So what I'm saying is, all right, cool. Be about your money. But you don't get it both ways, fam. It doesn't work both ways. If you're about the bread, tell me you're about the bread. But then I have the right to say that you're not a winning guy. You don't care about winning. Because players that care about winning, they wouldn't make the moves that you're making. Damian Lillard cannot look me in the face and tell me tell me that there's anything to show him that a championship is in the near future for that team. He can't. He, he, can't, he couldn't lie to me. He couldn't lie to anyone like that. So why are you staying there then? For the money. That's fine. You are getting older. But then don't lie to me and tell me that you're actually <laughs> gunning and you want to go out like Dirk Nowinski. Stop it. <laughs> stop it. Honestly, stop it. You don't care about that. Dirk had talent on his team. Yeah, it may not have been other superstars. He played with All-Stars, though. He played with All-Stars and it wasn't TJ Watford. It wasn't <laughs> CJ Ellaby. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, these are the guys that we're, we're talking about right now. Yes, nah, fam, I'm not going, bro. I'm not going with anything that, that that name is telling me. They traded CJ, and I'm happy that CJ is out here. He's about to play in the playing tournament tonight as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. Shout out to CJ. He handled that in, as a professional. But you're not going to tell me that you and him... I, I read the whole piece when, you know, me and you were talking about, you know, that this was that this day was coming. Why isn't the day here for you as well? To me, I would say that if you're trading CJ, you should also trade Dame. Hmm. Because if you're trading CJ, then where is the pivot? I you like that. I like that. I like, like that statement. Where are we going now? So for me, it's like, no, Damian Lillard is staying for the money, and that's fine. But you're also a loser because there's nothing to be optimistic about this roster. There's nothing at all. They don't have anything beyond an aging player that couldn't get it done when he was young <laughs> period i think period. i think the funny part about it is although we kind of have framed this conversation as like oh hot take alert i don't think anything you guys are saying is necessarily not understood now i think that the funny part about it is the framework of all of this is around what rob's alluded to earlier about this being a small market franchise and you have to ask yourself how many Damian Lillard caliber players have walked through or are going to walk through a Portland Trail Blazers franchise, right? And that's the question you have to ask yourself. And so with that being the case, you then have to follow that up by asking yourself, because we know that, do you overcompensate for the one guy who has represented us in the best way possible over the last five plus seasons, right? In ways that even a LaMarcus Aldridge, for example, never was able to actualize. Um, I'm kind of losing my train of thought, but it's only in the sense that, like, that's kind of the point. It's like, do you commit to that or do you pull the rug with the understanding that, yes, maybe from a PR standpoint, this does not look good initially. Yes, from a fan fan base commitment standpoint, there are going to be some long-term Dame stands that do not support the movement of this. But it is what is necessary in order to make what Chris said is the pivot. Again, the idea of you trade CJ, but you do not trade Dame 
where is so what does that leave you with slash what does that leave what what direction does that now create if it does not what have you done besides make a trade for the sake of making a trade which is what kind of the phrase that i use talking about sacramento at the time when they had traded Tyrese Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis. It felt like a trade that was made simply for the fact of saying that your front office made a move at the trade deadline. I feel as though this is a similar framework with Damian Lillard still being on this roster and moving on from CJ McCollum. Their offseason, I don't think is going to be indicative of anything less than that. I don't think anything they're going to do this offseason unless they're able to acquire somebody we did like that's an that is a restricted free agent that is going to decide to forego returning to their roster somebody like a bradley beal for example or somebody like that that chooses to go a different route that is the only way i see there being that pivot chris alluded to if it's not that i don't know who they pick a i don't i don't think jeremy grant in a trade gets it done right i don't think that jalen brunson acquired as a secondary guard gets it done this offseason and if that's the case especially with the kind of offseason we're looking at then what are we talking about what are we really talking about in terms of what this team is going to do moving forward um so yeah unfortunately this is another team where you go just like it's hard to be optimistic about them when you don't even know what they're doing you don't understand and until they do it we can't speak on it because right now the only way we can view what portland has done is a money grab they have created significant cap space for themselves, and they have an understanding that they now have draft capital because they've been as bad as they were this season. And with that being the case, they can just hang their head on the fact that Damian Lillard is still on this roster. They do have two draft picks that are going to both be in the lottery. That is something to build upon, but I even think that leaves you with questions as to but how does that help Damian Lillard? Now, do they use those two draft picks to package them for a superstar? Now, that would be a left field play. Right now, according to Tankathon, if you sim it, they can go. They're going to be anywhere, obviously, as high as one. I just simmed it one time. They have the third pick and the 11th pick. Can you package that for a superstar caliber player? One has to see. That's why the draft night question comes into, comes into play. On draft night with those two picks in your hand, do you trade those two for somebody you can put next to a Dame? Or do you trade Dame that night to acquire even more talent within that lottery space? The Wizards are 10th, for example. These are just the questions that have to be asked. So unfortunately, Portland, similarly to Sacramento, is in a awkward purgatory. I have more belief that they can fix it because they at least have a star caliber player. I would argue that I think De'Aaron Fox has the potential, but I do not think he is right now. I think Damian Lillard is and just needs to actualize it alongside a roster full of guys who actually work well next to him. Whether or not Portland has the capability to do that, we have to wait and see. But I, I'm sure that the listeners have waited long enough for us to finally get to this point. And it's about time. It's about damn time for a great reference for us to do this now. The last team is the Los Angeles Lakers. Man, this is this is an interesting one. Now, I'm going to read this out the way I framed it when we were supposed to do this episode. And I'm going to pivot a little bit because of the fact that circumstances have changed. 
The way I wrote this when we were supposed to record this episode about two weeks ago was this may not remain, which showed my slight belief that they would be able to still be in the mix. This may not remain, but as as is, after being blown out by the Dallas Mavericks, the Lakers are now out of the playing tournament that held firm. LeBron is hurt. AD is returning from injury, which we all know how that goes. And this team has done all but mail it in. So let's just ask the questions. Should the Lakers just pack it up and look to the offseason? Or is the West gettable enough that they should consider continuing making a run at the playoffs? Now, things have changed since then. Two weeks does a lot in the play-in tournament standings, right? Now, the Lakers have been officially eliminated from the playoffs. They are not in the play-in tournament whatsoever. And we are talking about a different handful of teams that are vying for those, that, that last spot. The Lakers have gotten rid of Frank Vogel in probably the most interesting way possible where the media found out before he did. The Lakers are also in a situation where we are looking ahead at a roster that is basically going to be turned over again for the third season in a row. Kendrick Nunn did not play a, a single minute, did not dribble a basketball for this team. In, despite being acquired this offseason. Taylor Horton Tucker, his play on the floor makes you wonder whether or not maybe spending an extra $4 million to keep Alex Caruso is something the Lakers would want back. They are without a coach and a 38-year-old LeBron James that some, maybe most, would argue is not even a top five regular season player anymore, despite what his out offensive output was this season. Others would argue that with the way Anthony Davis has played the last two years, that he is somebody that might need to be discussed as a trade chip if this Lakers team is looking to get better going into next offseason. We all know about Russell Westbrook and him getting the fingers pointed at him, but there have also been rumors that he is being discussed as a candidate to be sent to the Charlotte Hornets. Mind you, for context, Michael Jordan is the owner of that team, and drum roll, Westbrook is a Jordan client. I don't know if the context matters or not, but it is noteworthy, if I should mention it. All that being the case, fellas, and Chris, I'm going to start with you, man. The new way that I'm going to frame this, because the way I framed it earlier was about them making a push for the playoffs. Now we understand they are completely eliminated. If you are the Lakers, let's just frame it as easily as possible. What do you do? If you're the Lakers, what is the first thing you do when the summer starts? If I'm the Lakers, first I, I go to church. <laughs> I go to church and I pray Yo. to whatever thing, whatever deity it is that I believe in. And that's and, and I say, you know, I hope that all sins are forgiven and we can we can move forward. Because number one, what I will say is what they did to Frank Vogel, I've never been to Frank Vogel. I think Frank Vogel went along for the ride, in my opinion. Right? But the way they treated him was disgusting. Facts. Right? Look at the roster that they put in front of that man. And then tell me what you wanted him to do with that roster. I want to challenge anybody to tell me what the starting lineup for that team was after AD went out as he 
customarily always does. What was the starting lineup for that team? No one can tell me the starting lineup for that team. I asked my guy the other day, what was the starting lineup? He didn't know Wayne Gabriel was out there starting. He didn't know Stanley Johnson was still being depended upon. He didn't know that Avery Bradley is still starting at a shooting guard position in 2022. What the fuck? (laughs) Right? So let's go back from the very beginning. I'm a LeBron stan. Okay? Okay. Well documented. Last year, I said, why is it that the Lakers can't understand that one of the best things that LeBron does is pass to open shooters on the wing? Why is it that LeBron can't get shooters on his team? What do they do? They tease me and tell me that one of the best three-point shooters in the league is coming over to the team only to pivot to Russell Westbrook. All right. From that very moment, Rob's can attest. Some of our guys were telling me that Russell Westbrook was an addition. Some of our guys were telling me that Russell Westbrook was going to work out. And granted, a lot of people thought that because they were championship favorites to start the year, at least to go to the finals. They Mm -hmm. were finals finals favorites and out of the West. The reason why is apparently I heard, well, you need Russell Westbrook because when AD eventually goes down, Russell Westbrook can fill in and, and win games for you. How did that go? We don't have to beat the dead horse, but we all saw saw that nothing went like that because Russell Westbrook was one of the worst players in the NBA, period. And he played every game, but he was one of the worst players in the NBA when it comes to his statistical profile and it transferring over to winning. So Westbrook was was a dud. Now you look at what did the team do after Russell Westbrook? Trevor Ariza, what was he? nothing he was he's is he 30 he must be older than lebron at this point (laughs) i'll do the research while we talk you you have you have wayne ellington i thought that wayne ellington was a a decent pickup i think he was in miami no he was in piston he was in detroit Detroit. last year shooting the shit out of the ball same age uh, he's he's a year younger than lebron 36 and and he can't get on the floor this year (laughs) so that was a dud none you just said Anthony Davis, that shameless man, went on the platform and he said that we didn't fulfill our our potential because Kendrick Nunn didn't play basketball this year. Really? Really? He said we didn't fulfill our potential because Kendrick Nunn was missing. He also said, how do I stay healthy? What are you... That's like your wife asking you, how do I stay faithful? What the fuck is Lakers supposed to do about hearing that? What are you talking about? Imagine your girl says to you, how am I supposed to stay faithful with all these men around me? What? <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> what are you talking about? You don't play basketball, bro. You don't play ball. Come on. This is year after year. He says he's not fixing anything that he does in the offseason because that's not the problem. Unfortunate things just happen to me. I just roll out of bed and somebody just steps on my ankle or I just come down the court and then something happens to me. It can't keep happening, though. You see what I'm saying? Chris Paul was in a similar situation. We thought he was done after his hamstring pulled for the 18th time. But what did he say? He said he went back and he switched his whole diet. He's plant-based now. He doesn't eat that. He doesn't eat this. You know what I'm saying? He's doing pot plyo. He's doing some hot yoga. Like, he's trying. You can't tell me that you get hurt every year and then you're, that you're not changing anything. That doesn't make sense to me, fam. That, that No. No, it doesn't work. Why is LeBron James being relied upon when he turns 38 in December of this year? You are 28 years old, AD. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? 
Like, Thanks. realistically, uh, un, like, come on. Jokic right now is about to win MVP off of the strength of not having Jamal Murray and also not having MPJ. But he has his his team in the sixth or the fifth seed going into the playoffs right now, right? Are you telling me that b- at the beginning of the year or you can find too many people that says, oh, talent-wise, like, just pure talent? I'm talking about, obviously, Jokic is a better offensive player. But a lot of people will say that Anthony Davis is as good on defense, or at least allegedly what we saw in the bubble, as Jokic is on offense, mm-hmm. right? And he's a damn good offensive player as well. So why can't why can't AD piggyback his team? Because he's soft. He doesn't have anything in his chest. Nothing beats in there. He's hollow. He doesn't care enough. He's resting on laurels as if he's the one who's 38. Can you imagine? There's no way LeBron rates that guy. There's no way LeBron rates that guy. I'm sorry. But, bro, let me, let me, I could rant about this team forever and ever. So let me just get off of it. All I will say is, what will I do as the Lakers in their front office? Number one is get a coach that I don't want to hear anything about this is LeBron's coach or LeBron made the decision. LeBron brought Russell Westbrook in. What, whose job is it to bring players in the door? Is it not the GM? So if LeBron is the GM, then why in God's name is Palenka in the office? Why? What are we doing? So I don't want to hear that excuse. So number one is I would fire Palenka too. You're not doing your job apparently. Mm, okay. Because apparently okay. you had LeBron mm. telling you to bring Russell Westbrook in and look how that went. Fireable offense. Get out. <laughs> Let me get somebody in here that's not afraid to do their job. So I'm a do I'm firing Palenka. We already fired Frank Vogel. He should have never been the coach anyways. It should have been Ty Lue. LeBron told you to hire him. Now he's going to be top three in coach of the year. You didn't want to listen to him then, but you want to listen to him with Russell Westbrook. Make it make sense. <laughs> Can we pick? <laughs> Can we choose? You know what I'm saying? Like, are we going to listen to the man or not? But whatever. Hire a proper coach. I don't know who that coach is. I'm hearing Nick Nurse. Come take your mouth off my coach. Don't do that. Don't do that. I don't want to hear Nick Nurse in any conversations with that dead franchise. I feel. Nick Nurse is a coach of coach. He's a team Canada head coach. He's a coach of the Toronto Raptors that has made to the finals and has made it to the playoffs. Had one blip here that was orchestrated by the gods. Now we have Scotty Barnes. So it's not even that serious. Don't talk about my coach. <laughs> they need to get some competent players in the building. Anybody will help. There's no reason why Wayne Gabriel is starting for the Los Angeles Lakers. Have some, have some pride. <laughs> like, come on, you're the Lakers. <laughs> like, 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 That's tough, bro. You're the Los Angeles That's Lakers. Tough. Come on, man. Wayne Gabriel, nah, we, don't do that. We're out here signing Stanley Johnson to extensions. I understand it's not, it's not fully guaranteed, but can we have some pride? We're the Lakers. Let's get some players in the building. Like, real players in the building. What happened to the days where players were knocking on the door to live in L.A.? What happened to that? Come on, man. It's just flagrant all around. But a part of me is happy because before LeBron came and saved these guys, they were in purgatory with Orlando Magics in Sacramento. We had to talk about this team in the same way. Mm-hmm. In the last 10 years, they've made the playoffs two times. Bubble and when they got swept out, when they got into the back door, when they lost to lost to, to, to Phoenix, right? Mm-hmm. This is a franchise that hasn't really seen success. So maybe we're overreaching and over you know, we're 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 putting more stock into them because they are the Lakers than they really deserve. Because if you look at the 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 ten year gap 
of what this team is, they've made the playoffs two times. Mm-hmm. Two times. It is very. LeBron I, is thirty-eight. I think a great, like a great uh, way to allude to that is like it, it is very like Dallas Cowboys esque in the sense that like this is a Perfect. team that has a franchise that, from a historical standpoint, it's hard to argue with the acumen and the overall success, the glitz, the glamour of it all. But if we're just being real and we're talking about recent memory, there is nothing outside of the 2020 championship, which some don't even really give much merit to in the bubble. I would argue that it's, the, I, I argue that it's fine. Some do not believe some, some throw it up as the Mickey Mouse ring. Others believe that it is legitimate. You're allowed to choose whatever choice you come, whatever side you're on, but it is worth, it is worth throwing in as a talking point. With that being the case, this is a team that in the last last decade, and I would say specifically within the last five to six seasons, has not seen the level of success that their name or their brand has warranted. And granted, Lakers fans are used to a certain brand of basketball, and so they are going to hold their team to that to accountable for that, regardless of the productivity on the floor. But there comes a point where we have to be real about where this franchise has been in recent memory. And I think that all that 2020 championship was, was a stopgap. Because other than that, we have four seasons of LeBron James and only one of them is truly successful. Granted, I think many would trade one season for of a championship for three bad seasons if it means they came out with the ring. But we also have to factor in that this is the Lakers. And so with the expectations that come with that being the case, it is not just easy to sweep it under the rug and say, we'll take the one championship the way, perfect example, you guys in Toronto said, we'll take the flyer mile on a Kawhi Leonard as a, as a guy we know is probably a one-year rental, but I wouldn't trade that championship for the world despite the fact he walked out the door the summer after. Because at the end of the day, you got what you came for and you got what you paid for. And that's what the circumstances is. And unlike Toronto, LeBron James led teams when you go when you when you phrase it around you got what you paid for. LeBron James is a team that is going to get your team to the playoffs every year by hook or crook and you're a championship contender whether you ask to be or not, right? Regardless of roster. That is what you quote unquote signed up for or paid for when you acquire LeBron James. Whether or not LeBron James is able to able to hold up to that 37 years old, how much blame can you put on him? How much blame can you put on the roster? You allow the comment section to decide that. That's kind of where I stand on it. But I think that all comes to say that this Lakers team is in a really interesting space, and I just don't know what is real and what is fake in terms of the the, the right things to touch on moving forward. Rob, I'll, I'll, I'll move it over to you in this case. The Lakers are in an interesting spot. They're looking at a blank canvas again in the summer because let's be honest, they, they're gonna, they're gonna, I mean, their entire roster was on one year deals basically. They have a coaching vacancy, so they can do whatever they want there. Chris brought up the idea of going for Palenka. I, I do want to get your thoughts on that because I did see a little bit of a grimace to that one. And I am a little intrigued on your thoughts on that because I do think that is the guy that isn't discussed enough. In his in his uh, tenure, I do think he gets praised for what he does well and not spoken about very much when he doesn't do good. 
um, that's when they start deeming the team LeBron tags. When when he doesn't do well, they start to blame La GM. But when he does do well in constructing a roster, for example, that 2020 roster, where is Rob's, where is Rob's, you know, where is his praise? Or are you all screaming very as loudly for Rob's praise are you as you are screaming for La GM's falters, so to speak? So, like, what are your thoughts on some of these things in terms of the Lakers? Because I think they are in a tough spot, but they have a lot of blank canvas space to work with. Well, they're in the toughest of spots. Let's be honest. I'll start with the political point. It really depends. From an outsider's perspective, it seems a little bit ludicrous to say get rid of Polinka because he's, what, two years removed from a championship? But we have to really evaluate what's going on. If I was an insider of the Lakers organization and I knew that when they constructed that team, it was LeBron, and when the team met its demise, it was LeBron, then you can't blame Polinka. But if it's one or the other, either way around, then we may be able may be able to have that conversation. Um, but from an outsider's perspective, I, I I can't confidently say that I'm going to come for Palinka because it just it wouldn't make sense, right? Secondly, if we're talking about the trade for Russell Westbrook, I understand why people are frustrated, but I always say take it with a grain of salt because hindsight's always twenty twenty. At the time, although Russell Westbrook didn't wasn't the guy that he was in OKC, he was still coming off a really good season in Washington, right? Second half, I should say, right? Second half, mm-hmm. played up. And obviously, I'm gonna type. I'm gonna be in the camp and say I'll take West Westbrook before I take Buddy Hill. I'm in that camp. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Before you continue, right? Okay. Yeah. Answer this question. If you have LeBron James, yes. What does Russell Westbrook do for you on the floor? I get that, but what I'm trying to say is that when no, you have no, 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 I get no, that. Answer, let's, no, answer, no, 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 no. Just give me something. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying no. to build the narrative. But what I'm saying no, is I'm this: build, I understand I'm you. Okay, so let me what explain. What does Russell Westbrook does on the so let me what explain. does he do on the floor? If let you me have explain. LeBron. Obviously, oh. when I put when I pair LeBron and Russell Westbrook, it's not an ideal fit. I get that, Chris. I I'm not basketball. talking about ideal, but I'm not what? talking about ideal. I'm asking you to tell me what Russell Westbrook does when you have LeBron James. It's not a perfect fit, man. I get what you're saying. But what nothing? I'm saying is when you can accumulate talent, especially talent that is of that, that ilk, talent. they usually figure it out. Talent. They usually figure it out. It's. I think it was harder for them to replace a guy, or theoretically, it would have been harder for them to replace a guy like what Wes Westbrook was supposed to bring to the team than what Buddy Hield would have bring. Because they, they signed a bunch of one-year deals with guys who are quote-unquote shooters. They just didn't shoot. Okay, so hypothetically... Tell me, in the best of circumstances, right. like what does Russell Westbrook do for LeBron James? What like, do you mean I'm, by I'm that? Talk, look, what I question. mean by that, what I mean by that is because you're you're saying that you're saying that the talent is better on the Russell Westbrook side over right. a guy like Buddy Hield, and you always lean to talent. So what I'm saying is, okay, if that talent for Russell Westbrook showed out a hundred percent. What does Russell Westbrook first? So say, what does peak Russell Westbrook that he showed you in in um Washington? What does that Russell Westbrook do for LeBron James? I don't know, but I assume that they would have figured it out and that it would have looked it would have looked a lot better than it did. And but if anybody's going to say that they would have said anything else, then they're lying. It would have looked no, a lot better no, no, than no, it no, did. But, but that's my point because if we can't even equate something, if we can't even equate what Russell Westbrook was supposed to do. For LeBron James on the court, the conversations about oh you can rest LeBron and now 
Russell Westbrook can win you a game on a Tuesday night in Orlando when you rest LeBron James. I don't care about that because that's no. not what we're trying to do here. No, no, if but that wasn't can't the point, me, No, no, no. But what I'm saying is if you can't tell me what Russell Westbrook does for LeBron James when he's running on peak performance, that means you can't also then turn to me and say that you wouldn't take Buddy Heald over him because I can tell you what Buddy Heald But what I'm saying is when I'm comparing it in hindsight, right, and I looked at this because I remember when Buddy Heald was out there fiending for his contract and he was having that great season averaging 20 a game, guys were talking about him like he was supposed to be some great player. It's been a decline since then. So what I'm saying is in, in lieu of having Russell Westbrook and replacing him with Buddy Heald, I don't know how much better of a product you would have been able to produce. And then that's why I don't like that narrative when people say, oh, we should have just took Buddy Heald. Can you confidently say that Buddy Heald would have, would have incrementally added wins? And I, I don't think anybody can confidently say that. Because if you look at how Buddy Heald's been performing for the past two, three seasons, it's not in line to say that he would all of a sudden have been the difference as to why you're making the plans. But that's neither here nor there. The problem is, the, is Anthony Davis. We know that. And we're going to go back to the conversation we had a couple weeks on the pod where we likened it to the demise of a guy like Brett Blake Griffin, where you peak early and it's a steady decline since. Oh. I'm not saying that Anthony Davis is exactly that, but the trajectory is looking awfully similar. You can't stay healthy. Before you were with us, another superstar, you barely can make the playoffs, right? And now when LeBron is trying to pass you the torch, you can't, you can't hold up the flame. We have to start holding this guy accountable and stop giving him this praise. Everybody wants to talk about Anthony Davis like he's a darling. He's one of the top 10 players, greatest players in the NBA right now. Yada, 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 yada. But what are you doing? What are you doing? And why are we not holding this guy accountable? This season should be an indictment on his career. This is the season, if not last season, was supposed to be one of these two seasons. It was supposed to be where MVP Anthony Davis was supposed to show out. You're supposed to be the guy. LeBron is now supposed to transition into the second part of his career as being a second fiddle and help you be the better version of yourself. And he can't do it. And it's just that plain and simple. It's nothing more, nothing less. The Lakers go as far as Anthony Davis is willing to take them as a lead player. And as you said, again, doesn't have much going on beneath his chest. And that's why the Lakers are where they are. It's just that simple. That's why I see it. Chris, you have a retort? I'm gonna, I just want to hear your response. Yeah, it's definitely Anthony Davis' fault. What I would say about Buddy Heald is, is that the wins weren't going to come if LeBron and Anthony Davis didn't stay healthy, regardless. I'm not saying that. But what I will say is, though, is that that wasn't the narrative with why we pick up Russell Westbrook. We picked up Russell Westbrook for the thinking or the notion that when people eventually miss time, we will not miss a beat. That was That's the true. reason that was, for turning that was Russell what was Westbrook. Mentioned. That's that true. was the primary reason. And the primary reason of why we got him came to fruition. We've seen it. AD missed three months. LeBron missed time as well. Wins never came. Never came. Instead, what do we get? That. Instead, what we got is a guy that's talking about, oh, you know, the narrative of Russ, let Russ be Russ, wasn't actually a thing, though, was it? When I heard that, if I was LeBron, no no word of a lie. I'm telling them, listen to me, don't let me see him around in the in the arena because I'm slapping his mouth. <laughs> how dare you? Have you have has anybody heard LeBron or AD said anything bad about Russell Westbrook all year? All year long. No. The missed layups, the turnovers. <laughs> in the beginning of the year, this guy was on his foolish as fuck them turnovers. Are you mad? 
<laughs> Are you mad? Who's gonna talk? Who's gonna talk to me about them turnovers? This man was averaging five a game, asking who's talking to him about the turnovers. You see what I'm saying? Like, so for me, it's like, no, man. Like, when I say they should have just took Buddy Hield, I'm not saying that Buddy Hield would have saved the team. What I'm saying is the notion that Russell Westbrook was the savior was false from the jump. And I know for I, a I fact get that. that Buddy Hield was a better player to pair with LeBron James. I know that for a fact. Oh, okay. For an absolute fact. There was when you have LeBron and Russell Westbrook on the court at the same time, it was never going to work. Ever. We have a man that was I get never that, but able I, I would just shoot. err on the side of saying things that No, I get that. But what I was saying is most people would err on the side of saying accumulating the best talent and letting them figure it out is better than Bro, just acquiring a guy that you could easily I'm, replace. Because what is was Buddy Heal bringing other than shooting? I'm, I'm and he's not, not even I'm shooting not, like that anymore. First man. of all, yes, he is. Number one, first of all, yes, he no, is. Number not. two, I'm not. I'm no, not acquiring. Not. I'm not acquiring. Let me look up this guy's shooting percentages. I just pulled it up. Him. He hasn't shot forty percent since he dropped twenty. Yeah, he's taking a lot, but that's all he takes. But he's has shot forty percent from deep since that so twenty what, point what did he shoot? season. What did he shoot? What did he shoot last year? Last year. Last year, this this year that just passed, what did he shoot? Uh, so he shot thirty six percent. He is shooting a career low as of this season. In the totality between Sacramento and Indiana, thirty six percent is the lowest of his career since twenty sixteen. Okay, so he's at a he's at a career low in the in, in the three point category, and that three point percentage of thirty six percent, I promise you, if you look on the Lakers roster, might be the highest on the team. If you I get that. that. I was just talking about the trajectory. He's been oh, on the no, no, decline but, but, since but that 20 season. I understand that, but here's what I'm saying. We're not playing collective we're not col- which is not collectible cards, okay? We're not collecting the most valuable NBA cards, right? This is not a a fantasy team, right? This is not <laughs> NBA fantasy on your Yahoo app, right? This is real team building. That's what we're doing. So it's not about what we who we feel is the better player between the two. It's about we have LeBron James, we have Anthony Davis. What are the pieces that we need to put around these two players in order to succeed? Never never mind the fact that you gave away number 1 the opportunity cost of that first round draft pick. You gave that away, mm. right? Never mind you giving away I was never the biggest fan of Kyle Kuzma. But he showed me he's better than I than, than Russell Westbrook, right? That's what he showed me. I was never the biggest Again. fan of. I was never the biggest fan of of of, of my what's my man? Uh, I can't even remember his name. The same KCP, but KCP started the entire year last year and he he was decent. And then I didn't even get to this. Russell Westbrook, cool. These people signed Taylor Horton Tucker. He is a G League hooper. This brother is G League written all over him. They told Caruso to get the hell out. Did you hear Caruso on the JJ Reddick podcast? Said, listen, I went to them. This is what I want. They said, no. I went to them again. This is what I want. They said, no. I said, what can you do for me then? Because I want to stay. They said, no, we're signing Taylor Horan Tucker. Really? <laughs> really? And Jalen, and, and he is a G League baller. Can't shoot, can't pass, can't defend. He's nothing. 
So just an overall like, nah, all prospect, yeah. I mean, I mean, we said we that was the discussion with him beforehand was the idea that he's an overall raw prospect with a lot of upside. But do you pay him as a on a part of a a roster that has championship aspirations? Do you pay a guy like that that kind of money, knowing that he is a guy who still to a certain extent acts as a project that you are forcing to kind of grow up quickly? in order to match the intensity that this roster needs in order to be a real championship contender. I mean, yeah. fair. And to go for Chris, real quick, Hall of Famer. <laughs> Chris, for your point too, talking about the, uh, the, the shooting percentages comparison, cause I did want to just check for the sake of checking. Um, when you talk about the totality of the 2021, 2022 season, 36.6% on 8.8, three point attempts per game through 8.8, would be the highest on the Lakers right now above only LeBron above LeBron James, who is the closest at eight three points eight three point attempts per game. There are a handful of guys who are shooting shooting 36% or better from three, but they're shooting basically half Done. or less than half of what um Buddy Heald is shooting in terms of attempts per game. So yes, they are shooting a, a, a little bit better percentage wise. Malik Monk at nearly at just over 39. Carmelo Anthony at uh 37.5, but they're at 5.8 attempts per game. So he's he's taking three more attempts per game. You factor in on top of that, Carmelo Anthony and Malik Monk, neither one of them, um, uh, they're both coming off the bench. Neither one of them have played as many games as Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald did play in um in 81 games this year. So Basically, about every game this season, he started in 32. Malik Monk started in 37. Carmelo Anthony only started in three. So, from a productivity standpoint, Buddy Heald probably would have also started for this team as a three-point we, shooter and, for them. And, as and well. we know his looks would have been better as well. Agreed. He's playing with LeBron James, right? And, but again, and I'm not denying that. I just I just don't want people to get confused and, and assume that Buddy Hill is the reason why the Lakers or not getting Buddy Hill and getting Russell are the reason why the Lakers are bad. I firmly believe it's AD, and I I just don't Anthony want to move Davis away from that. Reason. Yeah, I want to piggyback off that point as well because I do think I think I think two things can be collectively correct, and I think this is one of those where I think that the Buddy Hill acquisition and the lack of top tier play from Anthony Davis are not mutually mutually exclusive. If that makes any sense, I think. Not acquiring Buddy Heald was the first domino to fall. I think in terms of going back to Chris's point, do, from a fit standpoint, I understand a. I think I think Rob's the way you addressed it is almost like the like the draft thought process, right? Do you take best player available or do you take the guy who fits? And in the draft, they'll tell you you take the best player. So in this case, from a from a from a trade acquisition standpoint, right? You say when you go to anybody at the table. This is the mm-hmm. only package I got. I got KCP, Kuzma, Trez, and a pick. That's all I got. I can't give you nothing else. Can't do nothing else for you. With that being the case, do I take Russ or do I take Buddy? It's the philosophy of do I take the best player available, which Russell Westbrook, are you, I mean, whether you want to split hairs or not, the one mm-hmm. thing I don't feel like is playing game. one thing I feel like is playing games if you say Russell Westbrook is not a better player than Buddy Hield. I think we both, I think we all can agree that Russell Westbrook is a better player than Buddy Heald. That would be a be- that was a best player available acquisition. The contrast to that is best the best player in terms of your fit, which would have been Buddy Heald. Most tend to lead on best player available as opposed to fit, and it ends up in some cases helping teams, and in cases like this, ends up biting teams in the butt. 
I think that was the first domino to fall. I think the lack of play of Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis played in 40 games this season. So less than half. (laughs) And in this season, I'll go ahead and kind of further actualize it a little bit more. Average 23.2 points per game, 9.9 rebounds per game, uh, 3.1 assists, shot 57% from two, 18% from three, 53% from the field. So 53% from the field is around about his, his a little bit above his, his, his overall career average and is kind of around the, the ballpark of like like where he his best seasons are from a shooting standpoint. 23.2 points per game is the fourth worst of his career. Um, other seasons that factor in that is last season, 21.8 points per game. And then you have to go all the way back. The next worst season is 2013-2014, where he averaged 20.8 points per game, but he was also averaging 2.8 blocks, 10 rebounds. Absolute beast in his second year. And his first season in New Orleans where he averaged 13.5 points per game and 8.2 rebounds. So basically, this season, last season, and his first two years in New Orleans are his worst seasons statistically since he's entered the league. So basically, that is the definition of a regression. You are starting to fall back to the pack of where you started when you entered the league in a framework where, going back to something Rob said earlier, you were actually supposed to be the guy now. And somehow you have found yourself taking strides in the wrong direction as opposed to forward for a team that needs you to lead them. And the, the way Rob's phrase it was, they are going to go basically as far as AD can throw them, as, as far as AD can take them or carry them, so to speak. And right now, he just has not been able to produce that. You can say it's about not being on the floor, but guess what? AD has not played 82 games since he entered the league. The glass man. Since being in LA, 40 games this year, 36 games last year, 62 games the year prior, his first year in LA. That is... Three, okay, go back to the four number. That is, those are three of his four least played, four of his, three of his last five seasons or three of his five lowest seasons in terms of games played in his career. Where it just in the last three seasons he's played with LA. And can we talk about how long 20 games is? Like, can, dude, I don't think fans like really understand how long 20 games is. <laughs> Like, these are not small pocket windows. That's a lot of games. And it's just like, at some point, we have to start looking at this guy and holding him accountable. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with you guys. I think there's a lot of different points on L.A. I know we also can beat the drum with L.A. all dang day. So, in a sense, that's, that can be its own podcast at some point. I would not I would love to talk to you guys about that a little bit more in depth, especially after we see some of the things that they do. So, that'll be an interesting conversation that we can maybe um, – table for now but definitely come back to once we've seen some of the things that the lakers decide to do with all this blank canvas space that they have but fellas we are over the two hour mark and i am coming to the point where we are officially through the bottom of both the east and the western conference so with that being the case this is the part in the podcast where i pass it over to the guests to plug anything that they're doing moving forward give their final thoughts on our conversations for you guys in particular we have two parts 
of this conversation. So, of course, feel free to share your thoughts on either this part, that part, or both parts as a collective. Uh, the floor is you guys is to kind of share your final thoughts with the people. Yeah, I'll just start off. As you know, again, all Hustle No Luck podcasts available every streaming platform, 8 a.m.s every Monday morning. We'd like to get animated. Um, we're a little bit more animated on this on this version of the pod versus the part one version. But yeah, like we're we're here talking about it, man. And I really like what you guys are doing here. I like the way it's structured. Um, you're not just talking barbershop talk. You're supporting your, your arguments and facts. Make sure you guys give them a like, comment, subscribe. And as you said, again, we're available on all streaming platforms. Like, comment, subscribe. Never hoard a good thing. Always take a listen and share. And make sure you guys check out some of the stuff that we're working on. We got a lot of collabs that are in the works. Um, hoping to release some of those soon. Um, but yeah, man, we're here. And I love I love coming on other pods and being able to free. When you're not hosting, you get a little bit more free in your talks. You don't have to worry about time and stamps and... You just get a chance to talk basketball. So thank you for having us. Really appreciate it. Definitely, man. Chris, how about you, man? Yeah, man. It's been a good, been a good run. Um, Man, I got, I got, I got the ability, you know, to speak about my hate for Sacramento. (laughs) Uh, I was able to speak on the Lakers. So I had, I had fun this pod, honestly. It was definitely a fun experience. And yeah, man, playoffs are here, you know, so this is the time to be an NBA fan. Like things get made or broken over these next month and a half. So it's definitely great, man. Yeah, definitely appreciate you guys coming on the podcast in terms of plugging their information. Of course they threw out all hustle, no luck podcast. Definitely check that out on the weekly. We'll include the links to that stuff in the descriptions for these episodes as they come out as well on social media. Definitely worth giving these guys a look because these guys really know their basketball and we love having these guys on because they they they're being they're being genuine when they say that they turn the animation down a little bit for us but at the same time they still know how to bring it so with that being the case definitely give them a listen my question of the day for you guys is which of these teams and i'm going to say that outside of the lakers because that's of course the team that everybody is going to focus on so which one of these teams are you the most optimistic about going into next season based on the things that we discussed out of the Portland Trailblazers, the Sacramento Kings, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Houston Rockets? We're talking about optimism going into next year. I know a lot of these teams have three- and four-year plans, but there's there's definitely time and definitely structure for them to be able to get good and get a little bit better next year. So which team do you have the most optimism about going into next season with that being the case appreciate you guys remember to like comment subscribe and we'll catch you on the next episode peace